Cut the Fru-Fru. This is episode three. The title of this episode is Anxiety and Suffering. Hope you enjoy it. Subscribe, like, share. Thanks. Which is, this is the truth defined, the only thing that truly transforms us, the truth, that which is. Many aspects of the truth cannot be understood with logic or even what we define as intelligence. However, it is safe to say that many of us come into contact with these aspects of truth intuitively over the course of living our life. Sadly, the reality of these unimaginable truths are so contrary to our logically defined intellect that as intuitively as we might know, we still spend our life attempting to disprove these knowings. We all live our lives according to what we believe is moral, correct, and just. This very aspect of how we think about things is limited to a world of good and evil. Society takes these same beliefs and places the virtuous ones on billboards for everyone to see, throwing the bad parts, the dark parts of human nature, into some corner, into some cage of a world made of our own denial. We all desire to live a life free of anxiety and suffering. However, it's tricky because on one hand, to live a life based around a lie can only lead to a life of anxiety and suffering. This lie stemming from this misperception that good is somehow separable from evil, that one can exist or be defined without the other. And on the other hand, to live a life forcing ourselves towards one truth while avoiding another aspect of that same truth will also result in a life of anxiety and suffering. Because of this, the only way to arrive at freedom is to understand the whole truth, which leads us back to square one. Anything that we can process with our mind is not the full truth because the very thing that keeps us from experiencing the whole truth is the mind. In other words, as long as we are there, we are not able to connect with the whole divine truth. Breathwork, deep intensive meditation retreats, and shamanic ceremonies are popular methods for pulling back the veil and catching glimpses of a more whole truth because these sorts of things are geared towards getting the mind out of the way. Anything can work to do this as long as it slowly wears down our mental processing. Fasting, sleep deprivation, running for days on end without sleeping, that'll do it. However, the amount of magical phenomena that our mind throws at us all leads to distracting us from staying fully present, distracting us from fully letting go. No matter the modality, no matter the situation, right 
when we are getting close to a full release of control, right when we are about to surrender mentally, as soon as our mental process is about to allow us to see beyond it, some sort of sensation or vision or symptom always crops up. This is where I personally see so many people and their modalities falling short, and I'll explain why. In simple terms, don't climb the signpost is something we can understand intellectually, meaning that when something crops up in breathwork or meditation or in a shamanic ceremony, to not become attached to it, let it go, remain focused on the technique is standard protocol. Yes, this is simple enough, however, I have yet to find an end to this process, meaning that there is always some aspect of the phenomena inevitably convincing us of its relevance. We cannot help but ultimately make meaning of it, which is absolutely fine. I do it. Other people do it. And again, to be clear, I'm not saying there is anything wrong with this because this is just part of the process. However, there comes a time when this game of feeling special or thinking that our experiences or realizations are special becomes so tiresome that a new phase begins. I believe this new phase begins when our body-mind system is ready. There is a certain level of suffering, of reckoning with our pain that is required as well. Otherwise, we remain happily engrossed in our fantasy life that is oh so special. Our ability to remain a witness when energy and sensations become so intense is something that has to be cultivated, and our ability to remain focused and to observe the truth that is underneath our mental fabrication of it is no small task. This is why the physical body must be conditioned. We need the proper structure on a physical level of bones and ligaments to house the flow of energy that we are opening up to, and we need a robust electrical or endocrine system if we are to not blow a fuse. So like I said before, anything that the mind can grab, process, interpret, is not what we are looking for. In fact, that's the whole thing right there. We are looking for something, but this something, in order to find it, we have to let go of our process of looking. We have to do something to focus our mind and then just wait. In the words of a favorite meditation teacher of mine, Sudhir says, to be struck by lightning is a very rare accident, and meditation makes you accident prone. Here he's equating a moment of rapture, a moment of seeing the whole truth, as being as about as likely as getting struck by lightning. These sorts of mental apparitions or phenomena are what most people unconsciously are seeking because deep down they do not want the whole truth because the whole truth would mean that they can no longer be who they claim to be. It means such a falling away of self that ultimately nothing is more terrifying and thus also nothing is more liberating. To be perfectly clear, I am not in any way speaking poorly of any modality, nor am I questioning the sincerity of people's desire to wake up. I am, however, simply cutting the frou-frou off of what I see to be a very frou-frou-ridden topic. For me, none of these methods are magical or even that interesting at this point. 
I got into them originally because I was suffering and wanted peace. I no longer suffer in the unnecessary ways I once did. However, I still suffer in the ways we all suffer, that being as a byproduct of thinking. My feeling is that as long as we think, we suffer. And this is just the nature of things. The more we try and change it, the more we suffer. As I've said before, the mind's job is to pick up possible threats, as well as doing whatever it needs to do in order to ensure its survival. Notice how I said its survival and not our survival. It's our tool to use for our own benefit, however, it's insidious by nature. It is at the root of good versus bad. Like I said at the beginning of this, to distinguish between good and bad is a trick of the mind, a misperception in and of itself that leads to only more separation and blindness. All of these special experiences we have that may feel like we saw or felt the true nature of things are not what our mind makes them out to be. Because when we experience the full truth, it is unmistakably so. It will change you, and you will know the futility of attempting to prescribe words to the experience. Thus, it humbles us, terrifies us, and breaks us open to a whole new way of experiencing. That's not to say that we don't ultimately go back to our old ways. However, it's the inception of an inkling that the whole truth begins to slowly reveal itself through. The chances of us having this type of encounter with the whole truth are not only slim because of the percentage of people who get struck by lightning being more likely than those of someone having a moment of enlightenment, but on top of that, it's in our design to reject, avoid, and protect ourselves from such an encounter. It is in the mind's design to avoid the whole truth at all cost, because such an encounter with the whole truth is truly the beginning of the end for our mentally contrived fairy tale. Once a thought is planted that perhaps life and self as we previously knew it are in fact just a tiny sliver of reality, well, it doesn't make things easier. On one hand it does, and on the other hand it does not. For me, existential depression is both alleviated as well as increased the closer I come. The closer I come to the feeling in me that I have learned and allowed to be the mentally untouchable place, that place inside of myself that I trust more than anything. It's no man's land down there, or maybe it's up there. It's something so beyond that it's also within. What good is it even, this untouchable feeling inside of myself? Well, practically speaking, the only thing it gives me, in a sense, is a deep-seated knowing that I can trust the nature of things no matter what, so that even when I find myself getting upset or resisting some aspect of my life, I know better, and I also still resist from a physical level. But that too is slowly, slowly learning to let go. Mental awakening, I think, is easier than physical awakening. It's in our bodies that we hold our animal nature. So, 
we have an experience that we label as some sort of powerful, magical encounter with spirit. And then we go back to our normal routine with a little piece of something new, an idea that things are not as they seem. For many, that's where it ends. We go back to our life the way it was, with something only slightly more awake in us. We put it on our mental shelf where we like to keep all of our special experiences so that any time we need a reminder of our value or worth, we can look at our trophy collection of these things that help us feel real. Others proceed to go into as many future mind-altering experiences as possible in hopes of achieving something. Going all in, we think, I am going to get enlightened. Here, we can see how these are two, in a way, opposites. Two opposite approaches to uncovering the truth. One is gung-ho, and one is more lackadaisical and passive. However, again, we can see the underlying nature of things through looking closely at this example. Because of the way we have all been conditioned to think, we will most likely agree that the gung-ho approach will be more successful. However, the nature of things is balance. The whole truth is balance. We experience half of the truth for a while before experiencing another side of the truth, and the cycle continues. So these two seemingly opposite approaches are in reality just as inseparable as good and evil. So the real opportunity for awakening, I believe, comes in the form of this, real life, in the non-magical experience that is beginning to see beneath these distinctions, to know that what at a glance of the mind are two opposites in reality, this is one cycle that comes and goes exactly in time with our breath, with our life. This concludes episode three of Cut the Fru-Fru. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment, all the things. Follow me on Instagram at dr.rainwater. I will be posting this week probably to announce the launch of my website, which is exciting. been working on that for a while. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. You'll be able to sign up for my mailing list through the website and so many more things to come. See you next time.